Welcome to the Disruptor Network Podcast. Welcome back to the Disruptors Network Podcast. We have a special podcast today as part of a new series of ours called The Growth Project. The Growth Project is going to be a bi-weekly podcast where we focus on how you can make yourself better through real estate, how you can buy real estate, how you can sell real estate, how you can grow your wealth through long-term real estate. Today, that series is starting with a special on budgeting. What is the right budget for you to buy real estate and how do you form that budget? We're also going to talk about what bad debt is and what good debt is and how you use debt to your advantage. So let's get to it. The first episode of The Growth Project, Budgeting. Ignition. Liftoff. John Maxwell once said, a budget is telling our money what to do instead of wondering where it went. We can control our budget. We can't control what our money does if we have no plan for it. And that's what we're going to speak about today. How do you form the right budget to buy real estate? When I first started buying real estate, I in my first property, I bought a multifamily home. And I think the, the what I remember most about that property was payment shock. Even though I was in the industry and even though I understood what it took to buy a home, I never really sat down and gave myself a budget. I never really sat down and went through what my actual expenses were going to be when that mortgage payment came every month. So when it first came, I went to payment shock and I think the first few months of owning the home were, were difficult for that. Uh, I thankfully made through it and I didn't miss any payments, but some people, when they first buy their home, you'd be shocked at how many people are late on their first payment ever. So that's what we want to avoid. We want to avoid any kind of payment shock. We want to be prepared for buying that house. If you are happy where you are financially, then keep going down that road, right? But if you aren't, then the sum of all your decisions hasn't been the right plan, right? So your decisions... In, in, in budgeting yourself and your finances haven't been the right plan so far. So how do we fix that plan? Well, we form a budget. Taking on debt is a risk, right? Taking on any kind of debt is a risk. So you want that to be a calculated risk. You especially want that to be a calculated risk if you're going to buy real estate. A mortgage is going to be your largest debt probably you've ever had, right? So you want to make sure that that mortgage is being used properly. So not only are you treating it as someplace you live, but you're treating it as an investment and a long-term investment. With calculated risk should come long-term rewards when it comes to real estate, right? So not just equity gain, but how are you paying that mortgage down? Are you paying it down faster than you would before? How could you pay it down faster? So that's what we're talking about when you take a calculated risk and paying down a mortgage. The first thing I want to talk about is bad debt, right? So there's a lot of kind of debt. There's a lot of debt you can take, but there's also bad debt. So we're going to focus on bad debt first. So hopefully you're avoiding bad debt. And if you have some bad debt, hopefully we can fix it. I'm going to give you a few different types of bad, bad debt. The first is going to be a car payment. Now, we all need a car. Most of us need a car to get around. But your car payment outside of your mortgage and or possibly student loans is going to be the largest debt you have. So you've got to, you've got to make sure that when you're taking a car loan out, um, which is going to be a loan on a depreciating asset, right? Your mortgage on a home, on a home is going to be an appreciating asset. So paying debt on an appreciating asset is always going to be better than paying a loan on a depreciating asset, which is what your car is. It's important, right, that you don't have a large payment that is stretching your budget on a car. That's one of the most important things you're going to have. And, and let me just give you some factors into that and, and, and how I look at a car payment. The average car payment in the, in the United States is around $500 a month. A $500 car payment, if you just took $500, right, and put it into either a mutual fund or an index fund, which on average, return between 10 and 12% a year. If you put $500 a month or $6,000 a year into a, an account that bared between 10 and 12% interest, so like something like an index fund um, or a mutual fund, 
After 30 years at your retirement, that account would have over a million and a half dollars in it with compounded interest. So $6,000 a year for 30 years, which would equal $180,000, would turn into a million and a half dollars in an interest-bearing account. I'm pointing that out because you're going to have to have a car. It's important that you either buy that car cash, and that may mean you have to buy a car that's not something that's a status symbol, or you have a very affordable payment that's not stretching every single month. So a car payment could be bad debt, but only if you let it, right? The second type of bad debt I have is payday loans or rent-to-own financing. These both are going to carry very high interest rates, and they can be impossible to ever pay off. Now, rent-to-own doesn't have to be a home or a car or whatever it is. Rent-to-own could be a lot of things. It could be furniture, it could be appliances, it could be computers, it could be like any kind of electronics. The, those store department credit cards that you guys get for Best Buy or Macy's or Bloomingdale's or Saks or whatever it is, carry interest rates between 15 and 30%. The average payoff of those items that you're, you're, you're buying, but you're essentially financing long-term are gonna be 125% of what you actually would have paid for if you would have paid cash. That's bad debt. Taking on any rent-to-own debt, like department store credit cards or electronics or financing a computer or anything like that is really bad debt unless you have a plan to pay it off quickly. If you're going to pay it off over time, you're going to be pay, paying sometimes almost three times as much as it would cost you up front over a long period of time. So it's important that we just kind of manage that debt a little better. Credit cards that build your debt, Right. When, treating, when choosing credit cards that use anything high interest or that you carry over 30% of your high credit on, it's bad debt. So when managing your credit, we're going to have credit cards, right? When managing your credit on your credit, your credit report, what you want to do is two things that I can point out to you. The first thing is that you want that debt to be 30% or less than the high credit. So for instance, if you have $1,000 high credit, which means your max credit is, 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 is $1,000 on that credit card, you never want to carry more than $300 in debt on that credit card. If you do, it could affect your score negatively. If you don't, it, it'll, it'll give you a positive reflection on your credit report. It's important that, we carry, that we, we're responsible with our credit and that we don't carry more than 30, 30 to 40% of our debt towards high credit. Credit cards be, can be effective in building your credit, but high interest rates and high debt payments will crush your score. They're gonna, if you carry, if you're maxing out your card, so on that $1,000 high credit, you're carrying $900, you're hurting your credit score every single month. 69% of the people who file for bankruptcy blame credit cards as the main source of it. 69% of the people who get into bankruptcy or get into financial problems blame credit cards as being the source of it. So we just keep it taking on debt that we have no plan on paying off. We have to avoid that I will pay it off next mentality. So, so, oh, I'll take this credit card from, from wherever and I'm going to pay it off next month. We really have to avoid that if we want to buy a house. Buying a house and budgeting is going to take sacrifices, right? Those sacrifices may mean not having credit cards and may have the stuff we want. And the fourth thing I can give you that is an obvious one, but I want to talk about it a little bit, which is collections, judgments, and charge-offs, right? If you have any of these on your credit report, and we're going to talk about looking at your credit report next. They are not good, but they are all fixable. These are all collections, judgments, charges, they're all fixable. Don't run from them because your credit report is not going to forget, right? So don't run away from these things or avoid them because your credit report is not going to forget. If you have something that's become a collection and or a charge off, right? That means that that company that originally had the debt with you has sold it to a third party company, probably for 20 to 30 cents on the dollar, maybe even less. So they gave that debt to somebody in hopes that they could collect it from you and then pay them back. 
That means they've mostly forgotten about it, but your credit report's not going to go away. It's important that you call these companies and address it. Get a payoff from them. Get it in writing that they're going to remove it from your credit report. Before you pay them, you have to get it in writing from them. They're going to remove it from your credit report. So then you can, you can always go back to the credit bureaus with that letter saying, hey, this shouldn't be on my credit report and get it removed. But don't run from it, right? Go Try to make a settlement on that debt. And in making a settlement, let's say you owe $500. Remember that they bought that debt for less than it originally was. So they will negotiate with you on that debt. Even if they play hardball, they will negotiate it. So those are, the, well, those are the four types of bad debt that I think you should avoid. A high car payment, payday loans or rent to own financing, um, credit cards with high interest rates that you're using to build your credit, and any kind of collection charge-offs or judgments. A monthly rigid written budget, a monthly written budget is, is what we're, we're doing to tell our money what to do, right? So you should write a budget, and I'm gonna make it as simple as I possibly can with this. You should write a budget and do it monthly, right? Before the month starts, you should have your money spent on paper, right? We, all your money should be spent on paper before, before the month starts. So if I have $5,000 to spend, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, what do I need to spend it on? What do I want to spend it on? What am I, what's going into my savings? Those are the three categories we're gonna focus on. So needs, wants, and savings. If you want to buy real estate, this is super important because when you have a mortgage, it's gonna be due every single month, that payment's due every single month. And we gotta make sure that we have our debt separated. So the first part of this process of budgeting, right? And we just talked about this a little bit is reviewing your credit before you do anything. It's important that you catch up on back payments so that, so that your credit is set up with, with a solid foundation. So if you have collections or charges or late payments on there, you want to catch up on all that stuff before we start making the budget to buy a house. Because you want, just like a house, we want your financial status to be built on a solid foundation. And to do that, you have to know what's on your credit report, good or bad. Don't run from it. And when, it's, when I'm talking about this, I'm talking about your monthly payments, not past due bills. But you want to get caught up on past due bills also before we start making a budget. Number two, set up a monthly budget that is reviewed monthly. No month is ever going to go as planned. There's always going to be charges and unexpected expenses. So when I say spend your money on paper, you need to have your, your paper, your, your money spent out. So if something unexpected comes off, hey, I had to spend $300 on my car this month that I, was un, that I wasn't expecting. That money's got to come from, some, from somewhere. So it's going to either come from not any of your needs, and I'm going to talk about what needs and wants are. It's going to come from one of your wants. So a need is uh, an electric bill, and your, your car insurance, your medical insurance, your rent every single month. That's a need. That's a must-have, right? A want is I want to get my hair done three done, times a week. I want to get my nails done. I want to get my hair cut. I want to get a, um, anything. I want to buy clothes this month. I have a party to go to this month. Those are wants. That's not a need. So if you have to spend $300 unexpectedly, that $300 has to come from either your wants or your savings. It's never going to come from your needs. Your needs have to be paid every single month. So that's why it's important to separate those things every single month. Um, because if you have to spend $200 or $300 unexpectedly, the money's got to come from somewhere in your budget, and it's important that you move that money over. We have, number three, we have to look at our monthly bills, incomes, and our needs and wants. You know, wants, to explain wants the best way I can is any extra money that's not a bill you have to pay. So Uber Eats, Netflix, Amazon Prime, those are wants and can be cut. And you may have to cut some things when you're budgeting to buy a home. Some of those things may have to be cut out if you want to buy a home. So I may have to give up my Uber Eats. I may have to give up some of my Amazon Prime because I need to buy a home and I need that money to save towards buying that home, right? So number three is looking at your monthly bills and figuring out what your wants, your needs, and your savings are. On to savings. What I believe is really, really important, especially when you own a home, is, is to have um, 
uh, you know, an emergency fund. That emergency fund should start, right? That emergency fund should start with a savings account that you're going to have every single month. So that emergency fund, I believe, should be 5% of your net income. So when you get paid, whether you're self-employed or um, you're a W-2 employee, you have your gross pay and then your expenses come out of it and you have your net pay. If you're a W-2 employee, your net pay will be after taxes are paid, social security is paid, your medical expenses are paid, 401k possibly. So out of your net pay, I want you to save 5% of that, right? So if you make $5,000 a month and your net pay is $3,000 a month, 5% of that net pay, right, would be $750. I would want you to put $750 into a savings account every single month to set up for an emergency fund. That emergency fund is set up in case when you own the home, that you have a water heater break, you have electrician problems, you have um, a washer and dryer that breaks. That's what that emergency fund is going to be used for. An emergency fund is not used for Christmas presents or holiday presents, for gifts for a significant other. Um, it's, not, it's, it's used strictly for emergencies. And I think you should be setting that up before you start into thinking of buying a house. So 5% of your net income should be going into your emergency fund every single month. And that should be enough if, you, if you're sacrificing some of your wants where it's not affecting you every single month, right? Or if you can't save 5%, it should, be, it should be what can you afford? But I'd like to see everybody save 5% of that income when budgeting for a house. Um, so let's just review the four parts of budgeting, right? We're gonna review our credit report. And, and by the way, even after you set a budget, you should have alerts set up in your credit report where you're getting monthly reports on them. And that's what I have every single month. I'll get a report. It was a change to your credit report. And then I find out what that change is. So reviewing your credit report to set the right foundation. Setting up a monthly budget that's reviewed monthly. Looking at your monthly bills, your income, your wants, and your needs, and setting up them in different categories every single month. These are my needs. These are my wants. This is my savings. Every single month. That should, be, that should be looked at and, and adjusted. And four, setting up an emergency fund where you're putting 5% of your total income, so your gross income, into an emergency fund just in case something goes wrong. So these are the four things we're going to look at as far as what's important towards budgeting. What a lot of people do in getting into a house is use all their money to get into their house, right? They use all the cash they have available. They use all the emergency funds, their 401k, everything they have to get into a house, and they get into the house and they're cash poor. So then what do they do? their furniture, their utilities, everything that needs the house then goes on high interest rate credit cards. That is not smart. When you're buying a house, what you put down is not important. And I'm somebody who's in mortgages for 20 years and, and I bought you know, $30 million worth of properties, let's say, right? What you put down is not important. Your monthly payment is important when you make an investment in a house. That's what you're going to pay every single month. Your equity doesn't come to you every single month. Your equity is stuck in the house. Your monthly payment on what you can afford is, is what's important every single month. So don't leave yourself cash poor in getting a house. If you're buying an investment property, the way I look at investment properties, and we'll get into this on, on, in future courses, is if I'm spending um, $50,000 to get into a house, let's say, I want to know on specifically on an investment property. So if you're looking to buy an investment property, what my return on my investment yearly is going to be and how quickly I'm going to pay that $50,000 back. So if it cost me $50,000 to get into a house, including my down payment, my closing costs, and furnishing the house, and fixing and furnishing the house, right? I want to make between 15 and 20% of my money back every single year. That's a really good investment. The best, the stock market, the S&P 500, which is an accumulation of the best blue chip stocks in the world, 
has notoriously made between 10 and 12% average on year over year. If you can make between 15 and 20% on your money, you're, you're in great shape, right? So on a $50,000 investment to make, to make 15% on my money, I have to make $7,500 in that year on my investment, right? Which means I have to make about $600 a month, um, $605, $10 a month to get my, my in profit, to get my investment back over the year. If I want to make 20% of my money, I have to make $10,000 that year on my investment. So that's when I'm going into an investment, and we'll get into this on future courses on buying an investment property, but that should be figured into your budgeting. On an investment property, if I'm budgeting, what do I want to make per month and how do I make that work? Um, so listen, I think that budgeting is the most important part of uh, an investment strategy and, and when you're buying a home. And before you, you, you being pre-approved, and just for the record, when a mortgage company pre-approves you, when an underwriter approves you for your loan, they're not looking at all your expenses, which is why a budget is so important. They're not looking at car insurance. They're not looking at your cell phone bill. They're not looking at your utilities. They're not looking at your groceries. They don't look at any of those expenses and qualifying for you. All they're looking at when a mortgage company is qualifying you is that your gross, your gross income, not your nets, so not what you take home. So they're looking at your gross income minus your monthly debts on your credit report. So not even what you may be paying. The monthly minimum payment on your credit cards, on your car, and on your student loans. That's all they're looking at. So you have to take into account and be responsible with your budgeting because the mortgage company is not going to tell you how to spend all your money. So it's important that when you go into this process that you have a solid foundation and you have the right budget. So in doing that, this is how I feel you set up a budget. Um, when this and, and just for everybody that's, that's listening to this podcast, when this goes up on the website, this list will be included. Um, this whole entire breakdown of what's to be included will be on the website. So you can go check it out if you want to use it. But budgeting is the most important of setting a solid foundation to buy the right home when you buy the right home. I hope this is helping you. Um, we're going to have a series like this. We'll have another one back in two weeks. Where we're going to talk about how to buy an investment property and what are the steps to buying an investment property and what you need to know. But budgeting is the first step in buying a home. This is the foundation of it. I hope this helped everybody. Check out the rest of our podworks on the Disruptors Network. For on our website, ralphdbugnaro.com, the, um, the disruptorsnetwork.com, our YouTube channel, which is the Disruptors Network, and through my Instagram, which is that debug. Hope to see you guys in the future. Hope this class helps. This is our first installment of the Growth Project.